after abandoning their tavern, defeating Morden for the time being, and being once again on the run. The party has concluded their first day of travel, and as they awake on their second, they were all beset by pleasant dreams, save for Rolandir and Brynjir, who meet eyes as they wake up, a chill running down their respective spines. Now, as the day starts, you must all decide what your next course of action will be. You still have two days' worth of cloud form travel to mainstay. Waking up in this shocked state, Rolandir making eye contact with Brynjir, his eyes shift quickly down to Brynjir's neck. The indications of this burned-in chain that he had seen in his dream, are they still there? They are. He shakes his head slightly and then stands up and starts quickly shuffling his things to ready for that day's travel. Vamok picks himself up off the freezing cold ground, back a little stiff, you know, because it's the ground. And he looks around and he says, I would prefer not to sleep on the ground in the future. Is there a place nearby that we could purchase some provisions and perhaps some temporary shelter? Cad, who is packing up his things and helping Luna do the same, glances up and he's like, There's a small town called Beornfast, not too far east of here. Maybe an hour's travel in that form that Mick had given us. Though, not sure it would be wise to enter civilization at this point. But I'm not sure it would be quite as wise to spend another night in the freezing cold with nothing. I agree. And I think that if we play our cards right, we can make this work out that we can get provisions, supplies, whatever we need, without alerting the Magisters. I know it's probably going to be slightly more risky than would be completely safe or wise, but I think it's necessary. But Mock's right. Even despite the discomfort, I really don't think we can survive another night without food and water and something for shelter. You're not going to hear any complaints from me. As grateful as I am to you, Rolandir, for providing us with these provisions, that's too many peas, but we're going to go with it. I really think that uh, well, I can use something with a bit more kick than mush. So, you know, it's an hour out of our way. I think I've got a couple of cuts around here. I think I lost most of it there in the end, but, I mean, something to buy some food at least. I'm pretty sure I've got it. And regardless whether or not we enjoyed the mush, it would be unwise to use intent to create food or to create shelter. It would draw too much attention to us. The magisters would be upon us very quickly. I suggest that those of us who can pass for human go into the town and purchase any needed supplies. And if we cannot purchase them, do what you will. Steal them, perform for them. I do not care, but it would be best not to draw any attention to ourselves. Well, I can help there if we don't want to split up. I could give you all disguises. Something simple, of course. Would you be interested? Uh, do we think it would be more or less risky to... I would prefer to stay together, to be perfectly honest, but if that presents too much risk, I understand. I think it all depends on how much money we have and how many people we're going to need to pick up these things, you know? If we are going to have to resort to working for our wages, best more people come. However, if we've got enough to just pick up some stuff... And I don't know, just grab a sled or something, and uh, we can just try to pull it all the way out here. I think we will run into a problem if we don't have some sort of some sort of food. I'm not too 
uncomfortable with the idea of roughing it, but at least shelter we're going to need. Food we might be able to make stretch and ration through. It's only a couple of days, but we will need somewhere to sleep. Because I don't know about you all, but I can't feel my toes already, and that left one's looking blue. Well, how about this for you all? And I walk towards Cad, and I give him a wool cap for his ears, and I give to Val uh, a small brimmed hat, and I give to Vamak like a hat with some fur around it. And then I also adhere to Vamak's chin a little bit of hair, so it looks like a beard, and his horns can... Don't worry, it's not that conspicuous. (laughs) So his horns can blend in. And then I also give everybody a little bit of a fair skin type of foundation makeup to put on to everybody if if they wish they don't have to take these disguises but they can if they wish cat doesn't protest yeah val will take it for sure cool and then for you val i know that your hair is a little conspicuous as i would call it i love it please don't get me wrong but perhaps we can do something about the colors so it isn't giving away your true identity what do you say um okay cool <laughs> no 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 i i i wish i could say that i wanted or could keep it but it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense and given the fact that we will be in mainstay for some time without the use of intent i think uh it will be necessary i understand i'll be delicate trust me and don't worry this will last for the amount of time that you need it but hopefully you'll be able to get to your preferred hair color back soon after and um with the permission of val i dye val's hair uh black with these disguises out of the way and everyone ready for the most part cad looks again to mick and says well if you want to cast that spell we might as well be on our way all right i can lead us to be on fast and we can set down a little ways outward from the perimeter of the town then work our way inward. All right, then. I pop a Lycle before I cast Windwalk, and as soon as I cast it, you can see from your toes up to your head, you start to take on a cloud form, and we take off. And Bartholomew's cloud takes the form of a flying dwarf, arms outstretched. T-posing dwarf. <laughs> you, you have a flying speed of 300 feet, and so in the space of an hour, you just zip across these snowy lands and you do see the town of Bjornfast in the distance begin to take shape. That's when the cloud that is Cad kind of motions for everyone to start descending. Uh, does everyone follow him? Yes. Yeah. Yep. As you touch down, it takes the minute for everyone to change back into your corporeal forms and you still have the effects of Windwalk active for another seven hours. So you can change into that cloud form whenever you wish. As you touch down at the edge of the town, or on the outskirts of the town, Cad looks around and he says, Now it might be wise to actually split up while we're going in. Such a large group as this may attract attention. I'm thinking maybe someone could stay here with the bulk of our current supplies and provisions, and then we have two groups go in. Perhaps one can find shelter and the other can get rations and whatnot. I think that sounds good. Um... If we run into trouble, which among us <laughs> who is not human is the best at lying? Bartholomew responding says, Now, nah, that ain't me, and I'm going to be honest with you. I have what some people have called a bit of a forthright personality. <laughs> I had noticed. <laughs> and beyond the mere fact that I will not in fact fight anyone, I think I would make an excellent uh, securer of our goods for now. That in addition to the fact that it might be difficult 
for me to be disguised in a way that would not be at least slightly apparent. I don't know if you know, but I am what could be called a little short for a human of these lands. <laughs> Bartholomew, I would think that your forthright personality would make you more of an asset in haggling and bargaining. I will stay with the supplies. I am feeling rather contemplative. Besides, there should be no reason to lie. That seems like a good point, because I think it might be easier to hide a short man than a giant vulture. So, you, you make a persuasive argument, Mike. I respect that. Then it is settled. You all can go into town. I will ensure that nobody comes upon our supplies. Cad gives a nod. Luna says, I don't have a problem with that. Fine by me as well. If there is anything that goes awry, and he says turning back to Vamak, we'll be counting on you to make sure that this, he says motioning to what little provisions they have, gets taken along with wherever we go. Hopefully it does not come to that, but we should not scramble in a moment of uncertainty. We need to stay composed. Do not worry. I can look after things here. And if trouble should arise, I still have a few tricks from the old world which I can employ. Very good. Then, he says, turning to Brynir and Luna, shall we? With the plan in place, the first group, Brynir, Luna, and Rolandir, set off. As you reach Bjornfast, it's only about a two to five minute walk from where you set down. You first see a large expanse of this snowy forest that has been cleared away and a large ring of palisades that then come up and meet a wall that's about 30 feet high, though it is mostly made of thin timbers and rotted planks. It's obviously not in good repair. A single guardsman gives you a nod as you walk through the open gate, gives you kind of a once-over, doesn't really pay much mind after that, and the three of you walk into Bayarnfast unhindered. A few minutes later, the group of four, Cad, Mick, Barty, and Val, likewise enter. And at this point, the guard is actually dozed off, leaning up against one of these wet beams of wood. Now, the town itself is not as dilapidated, perhaps, as its defenses. The middle square is, I wouldn't say bustling, but there is activity. Maybe a dozen or two dozen folk going from stall to stall looking for whatever produce and provisions they can get, especially at this time of year and in this season. There are a couple inns on the border of this main plaza, and a couple trade shops as well. Outside of that, most of the town seems residential. Taking in these things, uh, is going to try to lead the group towards the nearest shop that he can see, or shack, or whatever that would look like it would have something of warm clothes, winter gear, and the like. Yeah, it's not hard to find. Uh, there are a few tailors, and after peeking in one or two that don't seem to have what you need right in their front displays, you chance upon a third that is more in the way of survival outfittings, large, burly cloaks, and what have you. Entering the store, it's a warm environment. There are candles burning, and just how packed this place is with big rolls of furs and cloaks and knapsacks. It's pretty hot in here. <sighs> Nasty weather out there, isn't it? I'd say so myself. We have, um, well, a couple needs. We are 
on the road, traveling, still a few days left. And, well, your wares would be much appreciated. What say we get? And he kind of turns to the others. Oh, I don't know. Two, three cloaks each, for good measure? Two, three cloaks each? That's quite a bit. I, if you have the means to pay for it, I won't stand in your way. But I want to make sure everyone's getting a fair deal of things. That's not my sort to take advantage of uh, fine folk such as yourself. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. And uh, thank you. We definitely appreciate your business here. Um, and Rolander kind of goes over and starts perusing some of the various cloaks and um, equipment there. What would we be looking at for the outfitting of, you know, these cloaks? Uh, I'd probably say some of these sacks and definitely some better shoes. Uh, probably some thick boots. Well, the shoes are going to run you up to a peg, I'd say, depending on the fitting and the material. Well, if it comes to the cloaks, it depends on exactly what you're looking for, lad. What kind of material would you wish? I've got furs and wools, and if it befits you, ones of skins or leather, and those'll be a little on the lesser side of things, but won't keep you quite as warm. Well, what do you think? Rolander says, turning to Brynjur and Luna. What would best suit our purposes here? We need something warm. Luna actually already has, like, a fur cloak, like, draped over her and is, like, examining the shoulders and admiring it. She's like, what? Ah, see if she's already found one. A fine taste for fur. Probably best, honestly. We're not going to have much shelter otherwise. Unless you can recommend something that is in the way of shelter making. Whether it's larger pieces of fabric and material that keep the various elements off of us. I such things I could muster up. I'd have to go into the back for a bit and put scrounge something together. A uh, custom order and such might cost you a pretty penny. Well, n- nothing too fancy, of course. Just something a bit larger than a simple cloak to keep us under shelter, of course. Aye, aye. But wouldn't you needing some kind of support or whatnot? I suppose so. I have the makings for tents and such, but as I said, it's not in my normal repertoire. And I have to scrounge something up from the back. If you wouldn't mind, wait in just a spell. No, of course not. Happy to at least hear you out on what you have. Of course, me masters. And in the meantime, why don't you peruse the shop a bit and select some cloaks and sacks to your liking? Very well. Now, back outside the shop, the other group, as are they are entering the town and... Seeing the many vendors and their wares, there are quite a few that are selling foodstuffs. Nothing really fresh, though, especially not at this time of year. There are some berries and such when it comes to fruits, but in terms of vegetables, it's definitely on the uh, scarce side of things. I guess Barty is really just kind of short because he never applied his minor illusion like a dum-dum. So, (laughs) walking through the area... He goes to the nearest vendor that seems to have a large amount of pickled goods. He's looking for things in barrels. And uh, on on the approach, she just says, Now, you look like just the person I'm looking for. I just have one question for you. Are you ready to make some money? (laughs) I'm always in that service, mister. You, sir, are a man after my own heart. I'm going to tell you exactly what I need. I'm going to need some baobab fruit, manioc, mixed spice, some whey bread, cabbage, any sort of pickles you have, though I do prefer the peppins pickled. About six racks of rib and a side of beef. Can you do that for me? 
Well, mister, I can whip up a few of those things, but I'm going to have to be honest with you. That's not all in my store. I, I, I assure you I can get a few of them, uh, especially on the produce side. But I might uh, want to recommend you over to me brother, who's just across the way. and He'll sell you any kind of salted meats and parks you can feast your eyes on <laughs> and your bellies. Sure, that sounds like just, you know, that's a man that I like. Someone who not only knows what he is good at, but when to hand over the torch to someone else. I, it would be an absolute pleasure to be able to shop at your brother's store. And, uh... Yes, I'll just send him to tell him Dougal sent you, and he'll give you a ripe fine discount. Oh, Dougal, okay, Dougal. And that's a fine name. My name is Bartholomew, Dougal. Really a pleasure to make your acquaintance. So what, of those things, what could you get for me? What can I put you down for? As I said, I think the produce and such I can deal you for... Might most of it might not be as uh, perhaps f as fine as what you're used to. Tis the off season, but oh, of course, sir, I perfectly understand. If you'd be willing to settle for, I think, let me see that list again, if I might. D he he beckons for the list. Bartholomew hands it over. He 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 goes down the list and he's like, I can make it. And he yells over to a stall actually next to him. He's like, Martha, Martha, yeah, could could you come here a second? And this uh, stocky woman comes over from a stall nearby. And he's like, this here, could you grab me one of thems? She gives him a nod and then heads back to her stall. And he says, yeah, I, I can get you all this here, minus what knots the meats and such. If you're we willing to settle for... Oh, blime. I call it two pegs. Yeah, two pegs, two caps and a cut. And Bartholomew gets this real serious look in his eyes, and he says, Two pegs, a cap, and a cut. And I'll tell you what, now that sounds mighty reasonable. However, I do feel like this is a bulk order. I'm not sure if you noticed the uh, sizes there. So how about we do this? Two pegs, a cap, and a cut. But beyond those mixed spices, I can also get a, as fresh as you have, understand that it's the off-season. But some uh, nice scallions, or maybe some green onions, just to give it a little pizzazz. Dried, if you have them. Though I'd prefer fresh, understand the time of year. Why don't you roll a persuasion? So I got a 13. He kind of narrows his eyes at you and is like, eh, I can spare a few of these older green onions here. I, they mind you, they might not have their flavor and they're a bit wilty, but if I'm going to toss them anyway. You, sir, I, I appreciate it. I really do. It's, the wilty is what gives it the great stew texture. You, you read my mind, sir. I really appreciate that. But... A deal is done, and he hands over the money. All right, and that was definitely a majority of your collective cash. Cad, looking around, is like, why don't we uh, go settle with this other meat dealer real quick, too? Make our way out of here before things get, uh, I don't know, too expensive. We're already dropping a lot of what we have. Bartholomew says, yeah, well, you bring a good point there, Cad, but let's do it. You're going to want it. I tell you what I can whip up with these bad boys. You'll wish you had never been... <laughs> I'd never been born. <laughs> <laughs> what I can whip up with these bad boys, you're going to be happy that you happen to reincarnate after your poor and unfortunate death. What? <laughs> Did, wasn't he brought back to life? Yeah, yeah he yeah. was. Yeah, he's going to be happy that he was brought back to life. I guess reincarnate was the wrong word. Sorry. It just, it just sounded like a threat. <laughs> uh, Bartholomew makes his way if everyone's following Bartholomew also loaded everyone else down with food and is completely not helping that is exactly what I expected Val was anticipating picking up all of that stuff to Dougal's <laughs> to Dougal's we head to Dougal's oh wait I thought Dougal was the name of the dude you were just at oh to Dougal's brother oh that's right to, Dougal, no, to, to Dougal's we're supposed brother. to say Dougal sent us yeah that's right no actually to Dougal's brother's 
store. You see um, the, the stall indicated is run by a skinny Demlock fellow who is most definitely not a blood relation to the man you just spoke to. But even so, greets you warmly with a kind of crooked smile. Bartholomew steps right up, all three foot six of them. He saunters over to the counter and he says, Now, our good friend Dougal just sent us over, saying that you might be able to help us with some provisions of the more delicate variety. Said salted and pickled meats, possibly any fresh ones if you have them. Is that you, sir? Now, this guy gets down on his haunches because he is exactly three feet taller than Bartholomew. (laughs) And he just meets your eyes and he's like, well, you are one of those a man, aren't you? I am indeed, sir. Did you tell? Was it the accent that gave me away? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just heard that your kinds were a little shorter, but I am taller than the average. Uh, what can I do for you, little mister? Well, sir, I think the question is honestly, what can we do for each other? Because I look at you, sir, and that was a deep sigh that you just made. Are you sleeping well at night, sir? I suppose so. I'd be more content if my pockets were lined with a few extra caps, and perhaps that's how we can help each other out. It is exactly how we can help each other out. Now, my good friend Dougal just told... Excuse me, sir. What was your name? I failed to ask, and that's horribly insensitive to me. My name is Bartholomew. Pleasure to meet you. Bartholomew the Amer is what they all call me. I am Cedrin. Cedrin. Well, Cedrin, Dougal said that you had the best meat here in town. That is true. My brother does not lie. I felt that he was an honest man. I felt it inside my soul, given to me by the Lord. (laughs) Felt it in there. Now, sir, I would like to take some of this meat off your hands. And I'm actually looking for six racks of ribs and a side of beef. Do you think you could help me out there? I could cut something of the like, yes. Though that will fetch you quite a price. Six racks. Well... (laughs) You know how it is. I don't know if you've seen these youngsters over here gesturing to everyone behind him, who probably don't look any younger than he is, but also are clearly not youngsters. These youngsters over here, oh, they'll eat an entire cow in one meal. Drives me crazy. But uh, really, sir, I was actually hoping that I might engage in a bartering situation, as well as the transfer of plain good old money. Well, I am always interested in things to take into my own possession, how about this? I will go and cut the meats, and you and your party can deliberate, and see if you can scrounge up about two rams. Two rams? Okay. How much would you say we have currently? Because, again, I don't actually really have any idea. That that would probably be the last of your mon- monetary possessions. Oh, so, so we might actually have two rams total. You probably but do, but that's a, that's a high price. Okay. Perhaps we could get a little less... Now, well, honestly, I was thinking that we could do exactly what I said. Oftentimes, people are needing something, and we just need to find out what they need. Has anyone seen anything on him or here in the store? I think, let's just take a look around, and maybe there is a need that we can fill. Not with coins, but with things. And so Bartholomew's going to try to look around to see if he can see anything, you know, any signs of, like, a lot of tiredness, any signs of things that would be convenient for this fellow. He is particularly looking for things that he could give him a potion for that could solve a problem for him. We will return to that in just a moment. Out in the forest, uh, as Vamok is by himself with the small bit of provisions and whatnots that the group has, he hears a set of footsteps approaching, kind of just 
crunching into the snow and the underbrush. As discreetly as he can, Vamok will begin to see things through Vakos, his vulture's eyes, and he'll send Vakos off into a tree so it doesn't look like there's just a random vulture hanging around. And Vamok will kind of play dumb, as it were. Who goes there? A figure enters into your little clearing here. He seems to be an older gentleman, one Vamok has never seen. Graying hair, a thin beard of also gray hair, and then a frayed, tattered robe that is still large but hangs quite loosely off his limber form. A necklace of iron chains coming down around his neck, accompanied by a similar chain belt. And as this older gentleman picks his way into the clearing, he says, Oh, I'm quite sorry. I did not mean to disturb you, my good man. Is there anything you need of a poor blind traveler? Or are you simply passing by? No, no, I came here with the express intent. Uh, Though I spoke the truth, I did not mean to disturb you. I did mean to meet you. And you, paying attention, realize he's not looking at the figure of Vamok, but he is making eye contact with the vulture. It's like, please, there's no need for any cloak and dagger. Why don't you come down to a more comfortable position? I'm sure it's easier to move around when you're not observing yourself from that vantage point. Fair enough. Vakos, to me. And the vulture flies over onto his shoulder. And then Vamok stands up and walks towards the figure. You seem to know a thing or two about me. You have me at a disadvantage. I know a thing or two about most people. You are... Vamak Nugalanathi. Or rather, perhaps, if you no longer think of yourself in that way, you were what you are now. And he gives you a once-over. Is not this man I see before me. And he reaches out and kind of just thumbs the little hairs that Mick had glued onto your chin. No, no, no. (sighs) You see... Your group that you travel with was, for a short while, in my employ. I had tried to recruit them once or twice before, and kept tabs on them, and I was foiled in those regards. You may call me the Wanderer. Very well, Wanderer. What is your business with me, then? It is very simple, Vamak. I wish to know your intentions. Though, I am at a disadvantage when it comes to knowing the things of your minds and your hearts. Ever since your group has uh, strayed from their given course. Their original intention, or at least mission from myself, was to locate you. And they did so admirably. But... You see, there are things stirring in the world, Vamak. There are people who want to keep their power, and there are those who would see us all crushed underfoot. Do you know of whom I speak? I cannot say that I do. There are many 
who would seek to exercise their power and dominion over others. Hmm. But perhaps you speak of the ethereals. I knew you had a wit about you. A shame we had never met previously. Tell me, Vamak, do you think this world would be any better with the gods or without them? With the gods, without the gods. It is hard to say. They hold a great power, but perhaps that is the reason why so many fear them, so many worship them. They do not want to be crushed underfoot. Perhaps that is the reason. Though what makes a god into a god? Is it simply this worship, this reverence? Or is it this power they hold? Are you yourself not in control of the exact same forces? Are you not a god then? It is not the nature of the power, but the magnitude of it. It is true, I can wield intent the same way the gods do, but to a much lesser extent. I believe that worship has nothing to do with it. Without the power, the gods would be more or less as I am, more or less as every mortal is. And is that end desirable for you? One of these ethereals, Tentaver, he forced his will upon me, and I took it in exchange for power. And now my only desire is the betterment of Egadon. It is to see its people prosper. And after having traveled and interacted with gods and men, I believe the world would be better without essence, without intent. Simply let people do as they will, rather than being coerced by those who have more power. Getting rid of intent would not solve all the world's problems. There would still be those who exercise dominion over those weaker than them. But without the power to shape the world as they see fit, it would be easier to overthrow such despots. In short, yes, it would be desirable to see intent gone from this world. You are an interesting character indeed, Vamak. I believe our goals are similar, very similar. And I think it would be wise for us to meet again in the future. I'm sorry, but I do not wish to hold this charade for much longer. And he takes off this robe, and beneath is his body, which is very similar to... You, Vamok hasn't seen this, but for the other's sake, is what the winged were like when you were in the domains of the Valors, of the Virtues. Kind of a strange, muscly form, muscles where they shouldn't properly be. And then he whirls his hand around, and the grass and snow and dirt at your feet coalesces into this dark robe that then falls across his form as everything where he stands upon dies. And he says, Much better. I told you, Vamak, that we would meet as you peered into the void. Yes, I am the Wanderer, but I go by many names. I am known, as I'm sure you already know, as Heir. This meeting will be the first of many, and I would advise you 
to keep them secret from the rest of your companions, lest something terrible befall you. Am I clear? Very well. I say our goals are similar, but they are not yet aligned. Carry on in your course. Track down these aspects. And when you have vanquished the last of them, we will speak again. And then he's just there, standing still, frozen in time and space, and the next time you blink, he's gone. No trace that he was ever there to begin with. Most peculiar, Vakos. Most peculiar. Back in the city of Bjornfast, Cedrin gives a large wrappings full of meats and these racks of ribs and cuts over to Bartholomew, just as in this provisions and survival shop across the way, the shopkeeper returns with a rolled up tent, some travel bags, and then the different cloaks that you all have picked out. Inside the shop, he says, Right, masters, I think it's time we settled then. What think you would fetch a fair price for this assortment? Well, as you rightly said, these are of high standard materials. Certainly will do their job. Rolandir, kind of during the break and also into now, he'd been looking at these just for any additional wear and tear than one might hope to get on new clothing. And he's, you know, looking for something that he can use to kind of barter a lower price. Um, do perception. Or no, do investigation for me. They're flawless. In fact, they're worth more than he estimated. <laughs> you can't, in good conscience, pay less. All right, that's an 18. Investigation check. You've had some time to go through the cloaks, and you can select the ones in the store that you can find the most fall with and perhaps haggle them down. And in doing so, he, he lowers his price, and his final ask is a silver ram for the lot of it. I admit. Sounds good to me. And then bring your hands on the silver ram. <laughs> <laughs> Brynjord does not want to shop anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard the man. And Rolander goes to start picking it up. With your new wares, you exit the shop just as a deal is being struck in the market square between Bartholomew and Cedron. Has Bartholomew noticed anything even on his walk out? You know, is there any limp, a little heavy? Is he favoring one side or the other? Has he noticed anything at all that he can try to finagle and to... A bit more. Cedron seems like a perfectly fit and capable Demlik man, though he is a bit live, as I said. Upon seeing these two wrapped packages set down, Bartholomew's looks at him and says, Now, sir, after counting in our assorted wealth, we have in fact found that we do not have two rams, but I can offer you something even more powerful than a ram. Have you ever wanted the ability to control your dreams, sir? Not only to sleep but to be able to fly, to be the king of the world, to feel, really understand what it would be, not live here, but to really know what it would be like to live in the bustling streets of Bastion, the duke on all of your ducal business. I'd like to offer you that, sir, and I don't make this offer lightly. It's a great power that I deliver into your hands. I'm going to need you to make a deception check and a performance check. I am. I will accept the performance, but I will not. I guess I'm lying about the, how much we have. Dang it. Exactly. <laughs> uh -oh. Stink. Okay, I got a non-natural 20 on the deception. And the performance? And a 19 on the performance. Hey! I will take that. Cedrin kind of strokes his chin. He's like, that is interesting. Perhaps I could part with these meats for one silver ram. And this power you speak of. But please... 
be quieter about it. The folk here are superstitious. I, I understand, sir. I, that is my apologies. But here. And he pulls out one of his vials and he says, take just a sip of this each night as you go to sleep and you will have this power that I speak of. Now, a bonus, as I will not be back in these parts, is that you get to keep the vial. And I don't know if you know this, these glass vials are very hard to come by. This was hand-blown by a master. You ever heard of the city of Gilgaranath? No. Well, it's <laughs> truly unfortunate, sir. I, there, Us emers know that in Gilgaranath, that is the best glass. Look, I know it's hard to see because it's full, but just look at the clarity you'll get in this glass. Oh if you go on for much longer, I'm going to make you do another deception check. Val is going to put a hand on Barty's shoulder uh-huh. and be like, let's go. And he's, oh, excuse me, then. Let's take that. And he's going to grab the meat and he's going to start walking out. Val will kind of give the guy like a, a salute, like, thanks, mate. With everyone gathered back together, Luna looking about says, it seems like we've got everything we need. Why don't we get back to Vamok and just get back going. Agreed. The less time we spend here, the more time we can spend traveling. Let's go. It's a short walk out of the town. The guard gives you another lazy nod as you leave. Your bag's full of food and shelter. And when you return to Vamok and resume your wind walk spell, the rest of the day carries on uneventfully. And when you come to the end of your time, as the sun sets once more, you enjoy a hearty meal and a good night's sleep. <laughs>